Welcome to an episode of Free Basketball. I am your host, Ryan Meadows, and I am usually joined by a co-host, one Cody Holsey, but we decided with an intro to uh, moving over to Grizzly, becoming part of the Grizzlies um, podcast umbrella for the lead sports media, that I would do a solo one and I would talk about something that is near and dear to my heart, and that's power ranking. Um, I like to keep them for myself. It helped me last year when I did them. It was the first time I did them, and I kind of tinkered with them all the way through the season. And they turned out to be incredibly predictive for me on who the top teams in the NBA actually were. So they did differ a lot. If you keep up with that kind of stuff, the NBA puts out their own power week, power rankings every week. Um, and that's what I try to do too. I try to keep up with them. I don't publish them or anything, but they're for my own keeping to keep track of because I feel like I get a better sense of how good or how bad or where certain teams are in the NBA season and to maybe not overreact to a certain stretch, which, you know, talking about the Grizzlies, we can certainly talk about the recent stretch that they have been through. Uh, but we'll get there towards the end. So the power rankings last year for me, I mean, my top five, four of the top five teams made the conference finals. Um, the only team that was in my fo- top five last year's that did not make the conference finals was, you guessed it, our own Memphis Grizzlies. Um, so that was really a toss-up. Um, and so... I was really happy with the results of doing them for the first year, so I'm bringing them back again. So I thought it would be a good intro to a new crowd here, talking about Grizzly stuff. And you've kind of heard on the past, I'm usually on with Daniel, um, doing the Grizz lead stuff on the live shows. and So you've heard me some there, if you've been listening to Grizz lead at all, if you do. Thanks for tuning in and continue to tune in. And thank you for checking out this new episode as we move over. Or this new show, I guess I should say, moving over to the Grizzly Network. But what we're kind of going to kind of do is we're not just going to be 100% Memphis Grizzlies. Um, you get that a lot on Grizzly. And so me and my co-host, Cody Holsey, who's usually here... Um, we talk general NBA for the most part. That's what we've been doing for a few years now. That's what we like talking about. Uh, so with moving over, Daniel, you know, we're trying to work out where we could incorporate the Grizzlies into weekly topics within the landscape of what's going on in the NBA. So for the first episode on the Grizzly podcast feed here, we're going to do just power rankings and where the kind of the Grizzlies stand within them. And power rankings, of course, being early in the season, I know that we're kind of, most teams are 17 to 19 to 20 games in. It's still early that teams can have huge swings. So just two weeks ago, my power rankings, like the Spurs, who had had a pretty good week, were ranked 11th. Now it's been a few weeks, and the Spurs have dropped all the way out of into the 20s. So that's how much these change early. Um, just using a couple st- statistical markers you can find right on NBA.com if you want to go create your own. Go find out, go, you know, go tinker with some stats that you think are important to a success 
and the general well-being of an NBA team. Um, and it's just kind of fun to do. So I'm going to give you the top 10, maybe the top 15. I usually, if I do it in the past on our uh, other feed, I had gone through the top 15 and done kind of a bigger explanation for each, but I'm not going to do a huge explanation for each like I usually do. I'm going to kind of move through it generally quick because I don't think this is going to be a super long episode. I don't want power rankings to be uh, me just rambling over and over and over because that's what I can do when I talk about the NBA. Um, just a huge fan of the NBA and especially these Grizzlies. So it's going to be a lot of fun trying to incorporate the Grizzlies into general NBA discussion. But let's get into the top five right now. My current top five in the NBA. Number one, the Boston Celtics. Now, I had actually come out in our previous feed about a month ago with the Power Rankings. Um, and I had done an episode on that. You could probably find an old episode on our original feed with the Lead Sports Media's podcast network. Uh, but back then, they were previously the Celtics were previously ranked fourth, and I had said that um, the next ten games for the Celtics were an absolute cakewalk. If they wanted to, they could go ten and zero. And basically, I predicted that in a few weeks, I could see the Celtics being at the top of the power rankings based on how easy their upcoming schedule was for them. And sure enough, it happened. Um, I can't remember the exact win-loss record over that stretch, but it's, I believe, at least 9-1. and one. I mean, I don't think they've won 10 games in a row, but at worst, it's 8-2 and two over their last, you know, 10 to 12. Um, so they have come in here at number one. I am kind of interested about their schedule coming up. I mean, today they play the Dallas Mavericks. I'm very intrigued by that matchup just with Luka, uh, with the Mavs who have been, you know, the lowest assist team, basically. Uh, it's a high usage for Luka against a Celtics team that, you know, has been very drive kick oriented, which was kind of like what the Mavericks did last year to destroy the Suns to advance to the Western Conference Finals. So it's an and the Celtics of course have more defenders in theory to throw at Luca, but it is Luca, right? Like he's just a one man offense for a reason. And why he has the one of the highest usages in the NBA is he is an elite offense to himself already and will be for a long time. So It'll be an interesting contrast of styles to watch tonight. I'll be keeping up with that. Uh, that's kind of the big thing that I'm looking for this week for the Celtics. It's basically health concerns, and you can say that about any team. I mean, we know that with the Grizzlies. Certainly if the Grizzlies are completely healthy, um, I certainly don't think they've had the run that they've had recently the last five games. So health is obviously the biggest caveat. Where I mention that is because number two in my rankings the team who has been beaten up by injuries and has not been impressive lately. But the thing with my power rankings is that it doesn't scare me. Um, the numbers are what the numbers are. So win-loss record for me is a factor. Uh, but in small sample sizes like we have so far, just 18 to 20 games in, it is not a huge game-changer for me yet. Once we get to 40 to 50 games, yeah, that's kind of a bigger marker for me. But so far, being that it's still early, 
Um, the Phoenix Suns are still the second best team in the NBA for me right now. And on that previous episode, they were number two, so they have not moved. Now, I know they had a stretch where they lost, they were like three and four in their last seven. I think they just recently won against, I think they won last night against the Lakers. Um, but their they're, they're, uh, schedule coming up this week, they play the Pistons without Kate Cunningham, and they play the Utah Jazz, who I believe will be without Mike Conley. So I know they got Chris Paul health. You know, DeAndre Ayton seems to be in and out a little bit. Booker said some stuff. Um, Cam Johnson obviously being out is a big blow for them for a while, but they're still performing well even without those guys. So I can't see a justification for moving them just simply because of they've had a recent rash of bad losses um, and injury stuff to boot. So maybe that catches up to them where it starts to affect their numbers, and if it does, obviously their ranking will adjust. But as of right now, I just see no reason to move them just because of, well, they're four and five in their last nine. Um, and to get into the third team, which was my previous number one, talk about a team that had a bad rash of losses. That's the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're like, whoa, the Cavaliers were number one. Yeah, they were the best team in the NBA. It wasn't the Bucks? I know the Bucks started out super hot, won a bunch of games. But the Bucks' schedule to start the season was a joke. Um, and you can see the Bucks have been starting to lose a little bit of games as they've had some health stuff of their own. But um, the recent run of bad losses for the Cavs, I think, is easily explainable and why I can't really adjust them farther than this, than below three, is because they just came off a long, long West Coast road trip. Um, I think they like they're two and five in their last seven, or maybe three and four. I can't remember if they came back at home and won now the other night. Um, but it was just a long road trip just on the West Coast. And come from Cleveland to the West Coast, you know, there's not much to do in Cleveland. You get out to California, there's more to do. So nightlife stuff. I feel like young guys get it all out before they go back to Cleveland. So to me, they're more explainable losses than just a team that is just flat out bad and overrated. So I certainly think the Cavaliers are a good NBA team. So they're number three for me right now. Number four is the New Orleans Pelicans, who in the previous episode for me was third. Um, so just a small drop off a little bit. Obviously, Zion has been in and out. Uh, they stomped the the Warriors the other day without all their top guys, but they did stomp them out. So the rest of this week for them, they play the Spurs and the Grizz, so I expect them to have a good week. Likely 2-0, maybe drop that one to the Grizz, looking for revenge for the Grizzlies, but I guess we're going to find out on Friday. Um, and rounding out the top five right now, and this is where the... Um, this is where the power rankings early in the season can have an overreaction to a strong two weeks because the Sacramento Kings are here at number five. And they have had a good couple weeks because in my first episode talking about the first power rankings update, they were 20. Um, so I believe they've won their last seven games. Most notably, obviously, rubbing salt in the wound for us Grizzlies fans just beat us at home where we almost pulled off a miraculous comeback at the very end. And 
they've been doing it on the backs of a blistering offense. I think they are number one in the NBA in offensive efficiency and would set a record if they ca- if that number held up. But here's the thing about these power rankings and what I've noticed doing them for you know a little over a year now. I certainly do not believe the Sacramento Kings are going to set the NBA record for offensive efficiency. And so I kind of have to read through the lines a little bit on that um, because I think some people would put the Kings ahead of the Suns and the Cavs in the, right now just because they're currently on a seven-game, seven or eight-game win streak. And I'm just not going to super overreact like that. To me, uh, being at top five, it's probably a little bit of an overreaction, but I do have to give them credit for what they're doing currently, and the numbers back it up right now. But I still do not think this is a very good basketball team. Um, it's not a great defense. That was always going to be their issue, right? Like, can this team defend? And I just don't see a team that's anchored by Demona Sabonis, surrounded by... Keegan Murray, Harrison Barnes, De'Aaron Fox, and Kevin Herter is going to be, at best, a league average defense. So what happens when that offense falls a couple, you know, percentage points? Um, They crash back down to an average team, which I think, if I can predict... You know, for the next time, if we talk about these power rankings, I might do an an update monthly for you guys. We'll kind of see, just to kind of gauge where the Grizzlies are. Um, I certainly would think a month from now, I could see the Kings being maybe at the end of the top 10 uh, with potential for them to be, you know, dropped to about 13 to 15. But we'll see on that. Um, they did just beat the Grizzlies, as we said. They played the Atlanta Hawks and the Boston Celtics to round out their schedule, I think, for this week. Um, the rest of the top 10, number 6, the Utah Jazz, previously in my rankings, number 14th, have been, you know, the pleasant surprise of the NBA. I really like their coach, Will Hardy. I just super, I just really enjoy teams that share the basketball, and it doesn't matter who shoots it. And Laurie Markkinen is having a really strong start to the season. But if you have been an NBA fan for a long time, not just a Grizzlies fan, you've certainly seen years where Laurie Markkinen has a really good first two months of the season and then completely fades to nothing. Um, So to me, this is kind of like a Danny H. chess move. You've got to prop up Markkinen for for the trade market to where he can get a juicier offer for him. Because I I would be just surprised to see if Danny Ainge was like, oh, marketing's a guy I can keep long-term here. He's in my future plans. I just certainly just don't see that. It's a fun story early for the Jazz. I still expect them to make a move, although a lot of people, you know, national media are like, you can't do it now. Like, you've actually assembled a half-decent team. Like, you can do it whenever you want. And certainly Danny Ainge is not afraid to, like, he's he doesn't care about the, you know, the, the nice story, right? Like, he's going to get the best value and the best thing he can for him. And the best thing for him is to bottom out and go for Victor Wimbayama or Scoot Henderson. Uh, so he definitely wants that 
those highest lottery odds. And I just do not see, I just don't believe in this idea of like, oh, you're actually kind of good. Like, you should keep it together now. He kind of has to. That's stupid. Um, I think anybody, any sensible GM who's doing a reboot is certainly not going to hope for like a inspirational story kind of thing. Like they're eventually going to bottom out. And with, with the injury to Mike Conley, that hurts them a little bit. So we'll kind of see what happens with the Jazz over the next coming weeks. But at number seven, this team was previously number five, and that's the Milwaukee Bucks. Injury stuff has been the big concern. I'm not in love with their offense. I know Giannis is just a wrecking crew, but I have real questions about everyone else. And I'm just not in love with that team. Um, but they're still going to be a good team for the regular season. That's, this is the team I'm most interested by, what their stats are going to look like towards the end of the season to if I can really buy into them being you know, a legit championship contender because I'm not sold on it yet. And I feel like a lot of people are sold on it. Uh, number eight right now, the Portland Trailblazers. They were previously six in my ranking. This one, probably most people be like, what? Top 10 for the Blazers? Yeah, the Blazers have done pretty well, even if it does feel like maybe they're overperforming a little bit. Um, there has been nothing I've seen besides Dame you know, missing a couple games for something uh, that has said this is a team that's going to have a really hard regression. I just don't really believe that, especially when they've got guys like Gary Payton um, either coming back or has come back. Uh, to me, they can only get better. Uh, so I'm not saying that the Blazers are going are gonna to be a top five team in the NBA, but I think for the most of the rest of the season, they'll fluctuate through eight to 8 to 12 and back and forth, depending on how, you know, their week or two goes. Uh, but they're a top 10 team for me right now. Number nine, the Denver Nuggets. I know. Jokic, Murray, everybody is in COVID protocols. Um, they were previously ninth in my ranking, so no adjustment from the previous time. But... This is one of the things about power rankings that you just have to look at the context of it. And Jokic, Murray, Michael Porter Jr., all those guys, if, if they're healthy, they are certainly a pretty good offensive team. Their head coach, Mike Malone, has claimed that they want to be a top five defense. I don't think that's ever going to happen with Jokic and Murray and Michael Porter Jr. especially. But I like KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. I think he fits really well there. Bruce Brown has been a really nice addition to them. Um, and Bones Highland has been hurt now. So I, I think the Nuggets are going to be really good and are going to be fine for the rest of the regular season. And rounding out my top 10 is the Dallas Mavericks, who were previously 7th in my ranking. And they have fluctuated. They've been up and down. This is the one that, you could argue with me about the eye test because it has not been great. Um, Christian Wood thing seems to be like a wait another 15 to 20 games and he's, you know, um, simmering more and more on the fact that he doesn't play in big spots. 
and see if that kind of implodes, if that situation implodes on itself. Uh, I, I don't know if Jason Kidd and them would let that become a distraction, but it is Christian Wood who is a distraction. I get why people are like, oh, he'll be perfect off the bench, but if he's not buying into that role, then it's not going to work out. But I think the Mavericks are just good because Luka's good, and their shooters, their wings have been bad to start. So there's certainly capability of them having just a really hot, like Sacramento Kings-like two weeks coming up in the near future where they're just hot and they just scorch and burn everybody and win six or seven in a row. And then we're like, oh, the Mavericks are back. Um, but I think they'll continue to be a top 10, you know, 10 to 13, maybe peak at six or five for the entire year. But probably top 10 is more realistic looking for this Mavericks team going forward, unless they make a big trade that we're just not seeing right now. So that's my top 10 on that. Um, I'll go ahead and give you the next five to give you the top 15 because I think a lot of people, uh, this is where we're going to get to the Grizzlies, which will be the remainder of this episode. The next five, 11th team is 76ers, 12th, the Golden State Warriors, 13th, the Clippers, 14th, the Pacers, 15th, the Brooklyn Nets. So yeah, the Memphis Grizzlies are not a top 15 NBA team right now, according to my rankings. Um, they are actually right outside of it. I have them number 16. And one in four in their last five, which everybody is absolutely going to freak out about because that's what we as fans do, and that's fine. But the previous five, they were four and one. So the yin-yang of an NBA season, this is just what happens. Guys go out, we're without Bain. I don't even think we've seen Zaire play this year. I don't think he's logged an NBA minute so far this season. Um, Job being with the ankle, I don't know how he played against the Kings yesterday. And I expected him to be out for a little while. I mean, Adams has had injuries. Jaron is finally back, and he looks really good and ready to go. Um, I just, I certainly can only see for the foreseeable future, the Grizzlies continuing to stay in the mid-teens and falling back slightly. I don't think they'll ever get into the bottom 10 teams, but I could see them their range going from 16 to 18, maybe peak at 14 for right now until everybody is back and everybody logs some minutes together. Um, because the biggest problem for them is just depth, right? Like, the bench has been up and down would probably be the most polite way to say that. And for the most part, bad. I mean, the rookies that play, Roddy and LaRavia, are just not good right now. And that's okay. That's what rookies are more than likely going to do, especially rookies that you took a swing on in the late teens and early 20s. Um, LaRavia was catching a lot of steam in the draft towards the end where he thought be mid to late, mostly late first round, and Roddy was predicted projected to be a mid to late second round draft pick, um, and he took both in the first round, higher than they were supposed to go. So it's not like it was 
a, you know, can't miss, these aren't can't miss prospects. These are guys that were going to be additive in certain things that they do well, um, and they just have not found a great footing so far to contribute in a meaningful way for the Grizzlies to be a top-tier Western team, Western Conference team, you know, that we saw last year. And that's okay. Uh, we have to be patient with them. Um, we have to give them time. When guys get back, obviously their minutes will fall back. Uh, but they have both not been great or additive. And that's what we're looking for for guys, right, is to be additive. Santi has been additive sometimes, but most of the time he's just kind of been out there collecting minutes. It's not bad, not good. Like, he's just playing. He's average, replaceable, really. Um, and so it just puts a lot of pressure on the other guys when you don't have other guys to help and play make. It puts a lot of pressure on Jaw and Bain to do everything for us. And when you don't have one of those guys, then Dylan, the keys hand to Dylan to be like, okay, now you've got to be our secondary grader. And we all know from experience, we just just, we just do not want to watch a grizzly stretch of games where Dylan Brooks is trying to grade for this team. Now, even though he is passing, I believe he had five or six last five or six assists last night against the Kings. Like he's just not the guy that we want to be an attacker for us, right? Um, so the next couple games, I mean, they played the Pelicans on Friday. Um, I don't know. Like I, I don't have any kind of prediction for that game. Certainly the Pelicans are due a loss after blowing out the Warriors. Um, and the Grizz probably have a little revenge in their eyes, but it's a division rival. Like, it, it's going to be, you know, the Pelicans aren't going to sleepwalk through that game, uh, especially coming off some rest from Thanksgiving. So I expect it to be a good game, um, hopefully a big jaw game, but it would be nice to win that one to kind of turn this thing around a little bit so people aren't freaking out so much. Uh, before I go, I do want to kind of mention one little thing. Uh, I like analytics. Now, I'm not an expert. Uh, I'm, I'm not super versed where... <sighs> I'm not sure the right way to put it, but um, let's just, I'll just leave it at that. I'm not an expert on analytics, okay? I just generally know what goes into them, uh, where their shortfalls are. Uh, certainly, any analytic thing is not perfect. There is no such thing as a perfect analytical uh, stat or the way to look at things. Some skewed to certain players, like, PER that you hear that we know that John Hollinger created, uh, former Grizzlies exec, and it really favors big men, right? Like box plus minus, which is a stat I really like a lot in analytics. It can skew towards big men as well. So a lot of analytics stuff make big men look better than what they actually are. Um, so you kind of have to separate in between. But I like looking at pie for teams in general. Now, PI you can find on NBA.com, and it stands for Player Impact Estimate. And it's basically 
you know, what are your players adding to your team? Um, and right now, the Grizzlies are 49.7, which is not bad, but not great. Uh, last year, they were a 53. And for reference, last year, there were two teams that had a below 50 pie for the entire season in the NBA last year. And they also won 40 games, 40 plus games. And that were the Chicago Bulls and Toronto Raptors. Both bounced, what, in the first round of the playoffs? Um, everyone else that was a below 50 in pie was a mid 30s win team. Like, for example, the New Orleans Pelicans last year, who. We know had a terrible start. Then they traded for C.J. McCollum and things started to turn around. Um, but last year, their pie was 50. And their season record was 36 and 46. So why do I mention that? Uh, it's certainly not to cause panic. The fact that the Grizzlies are 49.7 with basically one of Ja and, you know, missing Bane, or vice versa, having Bane, missing Ja, no Jaren, now Jaren's into this, Santi being up and down, Steve-O being injured some, Dylan, who's always a walking net negative for this team. Um, I don't know when people will understand that Dylan isn't that great of a defender. The Grizzlies are just a bad defense in general that makes Dylan Brooks better as a defender. Uh, but Dylan is a net negative on offense and defense for this team. Uh, but Zaire Williams, like, that's the biggest thing. Like, what's Zaire going to be like when he comes back? Is he going to be good to go? Because he is the one that we're kind of missing, like the final piece. And he was not good last year. He was a negative for this team. And, but he was a rookie, and that's expected. Now, there's not usually precedent for just a massive leap. And, you know, if you look at box plus minus, going from a negative 2.7, which I think that's what Zaire was last year, to all of a sudden he's a 2.0. Like, that usually doesn't happen. Usually second year they're still a little bad, but at least they're getting more to an average starter. Um, so how will that affect their pie score? That remains to be seen. So I've said this before on Grizzly um, with Daniel that us as Grizz fans, we need to be prepared for the scenario where the Grizzlies are at 500 or below 500 heading into the new year. December is a really difficult schedule. And November, we're barely making it right now. I think we're one game above 500 in November. So when we come out of this thing in December and we're, what, 17 and 20? Or maybe that's too many games, but 16 and 17, 16 and 18, 15 and 18? I think Grizz fans, we need to brace ourselves that this is very possible. If we're not going to get Bane immediately back at soon, um, if Jaron keeps getting these rest breaks like he's getting, 
jaw doesn't re-aggravate that ankle to where it's any worse than what it is. Um, and Zaire can come back and be a contributor right away. And you're hoping that no one else on the Grizzlies team goes down with anything. So this kind of pie score is what I'm interested to see. Because if you're going to be a good team in the NBA, it's got to be north of 50. If you're 50 north, typically, um, you're a 40-plus win team. And right now, their pie ranking tells me that they're a 37-38 to 38 win team, which is certainly not the expectations heading into the season. So I think they'll be fine. I'm not overreacting to the current streak. Like, if I were just looking at their previous win-loss record and comparing just recent performance... You would say the Grizzlies are a bottom 10 team, but I'm not overreacting like that because I have to add context to what is going on for these teams. So that kind of goes with, that's what kind of goes into these power rankings. Hopefully it gives us a better idea of where the Grizzlies are. And obviously they can improve. Like it's got to be about offense. It can't be about, um, now that's what the biggest difference last year was that the defense steadily improved. We got, about this stretch last year and they were about the same last year about even offensive and defensive rating there was not really any standout they were about an even net rating team and then they just took off when everybody got healthy again um, and their defense really was the biggest mover for them and helped them pile up wins in the second half of the year so look to that to be another thing that happens this year the only caveat is, I mean, you don't have Kyle Anderson, DeAnthony Melton. You did give up those kind of veteran, um, not resources, but uh, veteran, you know, dependable guys. And when you go from dependable, dependable, more dependable, I guess. I was never really a huge Melton fan, but when you go from more dependable guys like Kyle Anderson to rookies, and they're having to play big rotation minutes for you because of injuries, up and downs are just going to happen, and it's reality. So Grizz fans, everything will be okay. Um, now, I'm sure saying that, I hope I don't jinx anything, but uh, we are going to be just fine. We're going to be at the top of the West. Certainly when everyone is back, or most everyone is back, I think... Do not waver that this is a top four team in the West, maybe even top two. Record may not reflect that, but overall ability of the team and where they stand, I think they could be a top two team in the West. That could surprise a lot of people. Like, well, maybe not surprise is a good word for the Warriors last year, but the Warriors being a three seed, right? Like most three seeds do not win the NBA championship when you look at history. Typically, it's a one or a two seed for a reason. They're the best teams. Um, this isn't the NCAA where you can have, you know, a crazy run. Like, Cinderella does not happen in the NBA. It just doesn't. One or one and two seeds matter. Um, so, the Warriors being a three last year, I mean, I didn't overreact to that strip bat, that horrible stretch that they had last year. They were always in my top three. Um, whereas, you know, the NBA's own power rankings heading into last week of the season, heading into the playoffs, had them, I believe, seventh or eighth. And I was like, that's just, it's not right. They're a top three team. And so they're ranked third 
and we know what happened, right? So I think that could be a similar type situation for the Grizzlies where maybe they're not a three seed, but, you know, four or five, but everything will shake out to where they're an actual top two team and could maybe crack a Western Conference Finals for this young core. So that's our first episode here. Free basketball on the Grizz Lead Podcast Network. We'll be here every week. Cody should be with me next week. I'm not sure what topic we'll talk about next, but I'm sure it'll be fun to kind of figure out how we're going to incorporate the Grizzlies into this. So thanks for tuning in. Like, share, tell your friends, retweet, whatever you got to do to get it out, to get our name out. We'd much appreciate it. And keep tuning into Grizzly stuff with Daniel and Nathan and um, No Bluffing Podcast with Chris and Luke and uh, Natalie, I believe. And uh, be paying attention to all the articles that come out. The guys are doing a lot of great work, and I hope to just add to a little bit to all the great work that they've been doing. So very happy and pleased and honored to be a part of this group and look forward to bringing you more Grizzlies content throughout the rest of the regular season. Here we, here we.